So we're in 1 John this morning. We're going to be looking specifically at the love that God has for us. And as a result of that, how can we share that love with others? So God first loved us, we love him, and so now we've experienced the fullness of that love, of a relationship with him, and so we're looking at the importance of how we can reflect that love um, to others. And that's an important conversation because the love that God has for us is a direct correlation to the love that we share with others. And so God has loved me, I've experienced that, and it's out of that context that I share that love or don't share that love with others. And so if you have questions about what that looks like, or if you're not experiencing the fullness of what that love looks like, then it is difficult for you to share that with other people. And so, but there's a direct correlation between the love that God has for us and the love that we express to and show others. You know, God uh, demonstrated his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so the Bible does not just say, God loves you. God shows you how he loves you. And so God demonstrates his love for this for us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. John three sixteen said, God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And so God doesn't just say, I love you. God demonstrates his love for you in that he sent his son to die on the cross for your sins. And so there's a visible, tangible reflection of how God loves you. And so if you've ever wondered if God loves you, you need to look toward the cross. And so God loves us all. He loves us enough that he sent his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but they should have eternal life. You see, God has demonstrated his love to us. It's something that we can see. It's something that that we can relate to. It's tangible. And God's love for us compelled him to send his son to us. And it's God's love for us that we share with others. God loved us. He sent his son, we've experienced that love, and then we share that and demonstrate that with others. And so that's what compels us to share. We share with others the love that Christ has given us because we've experienced it. We know what it's like. In fact, once you've experienced that love, you just, you have to share that with others. It's like, wow, did you know this? There's something that motivates us to share God's love with others and the fact that we've experienced it. If you haven't experienced God's love, you really, you don't have anything to share And so the motivation for sharing God's love is the fact that we've experienced that. That's what Paul's writing about in 2 Corinthians 5. Have you ever heard the expression, oh, I'm so excited I'm beside myself? It's like I'm so excited that it's like I'm outside of myself. I just, I can't believe how exciting this is. Paul says if we are beside ourselves, it's it's for God. It's because of what God's done in our life. We are so excited about what God's done in our life, we're beside ourselves. If we're beside ourselves, it's for God. And if we're in our right mind, it's for you. And so I'm being intentional about sharing what I have found in Christ with you. I'm excited because of the love that God has for me, and I'm sharing that with you. For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, and therefore all have died. And so I want to talk about this being controlled for a second because it's it's almost as if Paul's saying, everything that I do is a result of who I am in Christ. It controls me. God's love controls him. It, it compels us to share our faith. You, know, you, can't, you can't tell somebody you need to share your faith. What you need to reflect on is God has loved you so much that how can you not share your faith with others? We've even been entrusted with this good news about Christ. How can we keep it to ourselves? How can we not share it with others? The love that we've experienced with God is so real, so strong, it's so tangible that I am compelled, I am controlled. 
it's that love that I'm sharing with others that I've experienced. And so Paul says that love of Christ controls me. It compels me. We have to share it. And we have concluded this, that, that once has died for all, therefore all have died. Jesus has died for our sins. We have the hope of eternal life. It compels him. It's, it's what excites him. Everything focuses and is channeled on sharing that love that he's experienced from God through Christ to others. We have all died to our sins as a result of our newness in Christ. The old is gone, the new has come. We are new in Christ now. The old is gone. Christ has died for our sins. He took that on ourselves, and we are no longer slaves to sin. And everything that we do is rooted in God's love for us and sharing that love um, with others. You know, it's Springbrook. It is God's love that compels us. It's God's love that controls us. Everything that we do from a ministry perspective is a result of who we are in Christ. You know, we want to reach our community for Christ because we know what it means to have a relationship with him. We know that not everybody has experienced that, and so we are compelled. We are controlled. Our vision is tight. We need to reach our community for Christ. That's what guides us. We're compelled. We're controlled by that desire to reach our community for Christ. And then we're also controlled and compelled to make disciples because we have to help people not just make faith commitments, but to grow in their faith so they can experience the fullness of who they are in Christ. Because Jesus didn't just come to die for our sins. He came so that we could have life and have it to the full. And we are growing towards Christ's likeness each and every day as we experience and practice and apply God's word to our lives. That's what we looked at last week, the difference between saving faith and growing faith. And so we want to enable people to grow in their relationship with Christ. And so discipleship is important. Everything at Springbrook is motivated and controlled and compelled by the desire to reach our community for Christ and make disciples. That's what guides us. And then our mission is how we accomplish those things. But that vision for reaching our community for Christ and making disciples is what controls us. And not only is that true at Springbrook, but if you've been through our Starting Point workshop, if you've been around Springbrook for a while, you know that we're a part of Converge, Converge Worldwide, Converge Mid America. We are, a, we are a part of an affiliation of churches that have the same vision. Churches' missions might look different, but we are a part of a network of churches that are committed to reaching their communities for Christ and growing passionate disciples. And so uh, that's something that really uh, is an encouragement to us. And so pastorally, we get together as a part of a conference. We get to be a part of a network of churches that are starting churches in our community, in our nation, in our world. And so we talk about that every year where we look at our part of our missions budget. Some of that's local, some of that's regional, some of that's to the very ends of the earth. So last year, we had an opportunity to partner with a church plant that is in our local community. And so uh, I'm going to bring Pastor Jesse Petit up in just a moment. We're going to talk about some of the work that God's doing uh, in and through his ministry. But I've got a video I want to share with you about what church planting looks like for us as we partner with other churches that are like-minded in reaching their communities for Christ. Let's watch Where you go, I go, what you say, I say. 
Well, Jesse, you and I have uh, known each other for about 21 years. At least. So uh, we serve on the board of Convergement America together. So Jesse is also a dear friend. I think uh, the first time I met Jesse, uh, your name was given to me when I was in seminary, actually. And uh, I needed to do a cross-cultural field ed uh, experience. And so just what does ministry look like in a different culture? And so I had an opportunity to meet you. And, and I got the chance to attend some of your prayer gathering at night. You know, those Monday night prayer gatherings for me are still something that is seared in my memory. Just the way the Spirit of God showed up with those was always fantastic. And so it's been a privilege for me um, just to be able to get to be your friend and to see how God's been working in and through you and for our church to come alongside you at this time where you're going to be planting a new church up in Kenosha. And so tell us a little bit about your uh, ministry and what's going on with the church plant. Uh, Thank you, Pastor Richard. Uh, Good morning, everybody. Uh, It's my privilege, you know, just to be part of another initiative. Uh, this will be our fourth church plant coming from our church. We plant one in McHenry, Round Lake, and Beach Park. And now we're going to the state of Wisconsin. Uh, we went to Kenosha. Kenosha is a city uh, where the Latino community is growing very fast. Uh, more than 17% of that city are Latino descent. Uh, so we know as a church, we want to plant churches we just got to pray to when and where. Uh, you don't ask God, do you want me to plant the church? It's very specifically there, you know, the Great Commission. Go and make disciples, and not only in your community, but into the end of the world. Uh, we're planting churches in Mexico and Honduras. Uh, we're going in December to Honduras to uh, celebrate early Christmas for, with the poor. And uh, we give away about, about 1,500 
uh, baskets of food. Uh, and we bring, we bring doctors uh, to help uh, uh, the people in need. Yeah. And our church, uh, making disciples as, as the center. Uh, and then you ask the question, why are we making disciples for? Uh, you cannot keep them. Yeah. You know, because <laughs> they're not yours. Uh, no, it's painful <laughs> sending them away, though, isn't it? It's like, well, oh. <laughs> in a way, it is. And, and, yeah, it's and, also time to celebrate. It's, 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 you know, it's a moment where, you know, even the people, they're, 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 they're nervous about being part of the team because, you know, it's 40 people. They're, they're, they were not chosen, but they decide to go mm-hmm. and be part of the team to Kenosha. Uh, after I talk to them, when they become part of, officially, they're not longer coming to the to our uh, our campus in, in, in Waukegan. Mm-hmm. They said thank you. They said, you know, this is a revival for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I I get to do this in a fresh way yeah. and meeting new people, new communities is always always refreshing. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard letting go of your good people too, though, because I know something. Even in a small group, if you're involved in a small group, you think about the relationships that you have with people in your small group, and then you start thinking about, well, we need to start a new small group. It's like, well, wait a second, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm enjoying this. You know, how come I got to leave? <laughs> at a church level, I think the blessing from that just comes from knowing that you are moving the good news about Christ into areas that desperately need it. And so, like you said, it is. It is a revival. You know, it's interesting when you think about church planting. I can remember when I came through the assessment uh, 20, 21 years ago, whatever mm-hmm. that was. It was funny because it was a four-day assessment where they, where they evaluate whether or not you're, you know, a viable candidate to plant a church. <laughs> <laughs> I passed. <laughs> but, you know, it was interesting, though, because I can remember that, that very last day, uh, the gentleman that was leading the workshop um, asked, he said, hey, is there anybody in here? that can, he asked the class, is there anybody in here that can think of anything that they'd rather do besides plant a church? And so we all just kind of sat there for a second. Nobody could think of anything else they'd rather do. And so he said, I'm so glad nobody raised their hand because if you can think of something else to do besides plant a church, you should go do that because church planting is hard. It is hard. <laughs> it's it a lot hard. of work. It's a lot of investment. You're letting go of good people. And uh, I also know that in church planting, that it's a family endeavor. And so uh, I, it's exciting for us to be able to have you and Mary Lou here. So Mary Lou yeah. is uh, sitting over Thank there to you. your left. Mm-hmm. But uh, thanks for your support. Um, we know that um, you both have invested in the lives of people in your church. It's exciting for us just to be able to see you multiplying uh, a new church in a new area. So we're looking forward to what God's going to do uh, in Kenosha. So as a part of our year and offering last year, through your generosity, uh, we were able to support our budget Thank you. this year for missions. And so we're sending you a $4,200 check to get wow. that work Thank going. You. Thank so you. that's, uh, that's coming mm-hmm. your way. Mm-hmm. But it's a privilege for us just to be able to be a part of what God's doing there. It's a demonstration of love. Uh, you know, God loves us. We want to share that good news with others. And that's what church planting is all about. That's what's so exciting about it. Yeah, Converse, really, you know, yeah. logo is, a statement is, you know, we're better together. Yeah. And we are. We are better together. We Amen. are better together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we need, we need each other. <laughs> Jesse! <laughs> I said this, you know, uh, we need to be different, you know, and we need each other to be different, but we must be together. Yeah, amen. Hey, what were you doing before you were a pastor? Uh, I was into the financial services. You know, I was doing loans, insurance. I got my own office. I got four, 45 agents. Uh, I thought my life was already set, and I was <laughs> achieving the American dream. Mm-hmm. And then uh, God called me. Yeah, mm. amen. And it's been 23 years. Yeah, and what are some of the things that really motivate you about church planting? Why do you get excited about church planting? Church planting is... Um, 
I'm a leader uh, and then a pastor. So I'm always in the move of new things, you know. And when I'm not there, my life gets bored. Yeah. Uh, so it really excites me, you know, when God is putting uh, first a prayer request becomes a vision mm. and then a mission. And then I share that and God brings a team yeah. and resources. And I'm going to tell you just one thing that it really excites me because we didn't have a building. We don't have a building in Kenosha, but we knew God was working. And in the building that we in, uh, Pastor Roy is the pastor of that church. Uh, they were, they've been working for more than two years. Mm. So two weeks before we launch, they went to use their building for the first time. Oh, wow. <laughs> I, I knew Pastor Roy for 17 years, and uh, we supposed to be in a different building, and that didn't work out. Uh, so I called Pastor Roy to give me guidance, uh, but he gave me more than guidance. He said, Here's the building. Oh, here's the building. <laughs> That's exciting. So and two years before he got the building. <laughs> and you said your first service was on the third, right? The Just third. Like, yeah. 180 so. people came. <laughs> you know, we already have six small groups in Kenosha. Yeah. It's eight people going through the process of getting baptized. And it's just getting better. Outstanding. <laughs> That's great news. Well, you know, I know one of the things that you had shared with me at one point was is just having been the first believer in your family. It was, yes. You know, your, your, our stories really run a lot, of, a lot of parallels, which is one of the reasons why I like you. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> We've both been lifted up out of that miry pit, my friend. <laughs> but I can remember when I made my faith commitment, um, you know, just thinking about reading through this book and thinking, wow, if this is real, then this has got some implications, both for me, for my family, for my friends. And uh, I became a believer and I was shifting paper. I, I remember vividly, I was taking paper out of this pile, doing some stuff with it and putting paper in that pile. I thought, wow, there's, there's got to be more. God's got something more for me in this. But I think one of the things that we both share is that excitement for helping people come to understand their need for a relationship with Christ and then seeing them grow in their faith. And that process, there's, there's nothing more exciting than that. It's one of the things I love about church planting. In church planting, it takes three people to reach one people, one person for Christ mm. because they're just excited about what they're doing. And then the church grows and it starts to become inward focused. And, and we got to plant and, and, again. And, and, yeah. <laughs> and a church that's over 10 years old, it takes 20 people to be excited about their relationship with Christ to reach one person. And so there's something for me that is just life-giving about church planting. This church is 25 years old. We're celebrating our 25th anniversary this year. Praise and God. so this church is 25 years. It's been a blessing for us to be able to see how God thank has you. used you. We're going to continue to pray for you and thank looking you. forward to see how God thank works you. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor. Hey, thank, thank you, church. You. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I just want to encourage you this morning. Um, you know, you might not feel like God's calling you um, to leave your job and to go into ministry. Um, but maybe he is. You know, 25 years ago, I'm moving paper, and I thought, you know, God's got something more for me. And so God might be stirring that in your heart, you know, to do something more significant for the kingdom. You know, we're going to be on this earth 70, maybe 80 years. I like, you know, Psalm 90, 10. I'm counting my days. I'm hoping for the 90. But, uh, you know, we're here temporarily. And so this is an opportunity for us to, to be involved in a mission that is going to have an eternal impact. And so God might be stirring you to do something in ministry. You, know, you might not be called to be a part of a church plant, but you know what? Maybe you are. 
You know, maybe God's calling you to be a part of stepping out of your small group or being a part of a ministry that's going to be more intentional about engaging a part of a culture, a different part of the culture, that, that we can be a part of sending you into being a part of what God has for you. And so, you know, it's really easy for us to get comfortable in our groups or our ministry and forget, hey, look, there's, there's something more that God might have for us. And so if you're thinking, hey, maybe missions or maybe church planting or maybe I, I'm trying to figure out, do I, do I need to go to seminary? Or maybe you've got an education and you've got some Bible background. And you're trying to think, hey, I really want to step into something more that God would have for me to have a kingdom impact. We would love the opportunity to invest in you and to release you and to be a part of that. You know, the other thing that's interesting to think about is that, you know, uh, if you are a Christ follower, if you have a relationship with Christ, one thing that you know you're called to do is to be a witness. And so Acts 1.8 says that if you are a Christ follower and you have a relationship with him, then the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the very ends of the earth. And so this is our Judea. And so we, we are witnesses in our Judea. People come into our ministry. They come, through our, they come through our doors. They connect with our ministry. They're watching online. And so this is an opportunity for us to connect with people to help them to understand the love that God has for them. And that's critically important to why we exist. And so we, this is our Jerusalem. So you can be a part of helping us, helping us to reach people in our Jerusalem. Our Jerusalem, our Judea is our, is our community. As you think about our region, we're going into Samaria. We're supporting, you know, uh, church planting is a, an integral part of what we're doing in our nation. We have an opportunity to support a church right in our backyard. That's our Samaria. And so we have an opportunity to be a part of what God wants to do just right across the border for that. And then to the very ends of the earth, we're planting churches all across the globe. And so we have an opportunity to be a part of what God's doing our Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the veins of the earth. And so if we're believers, we're called to be a part of that. You know, we're called to be witnesses. You know, maybe you're with us this morning, and whether you're online or in person, you know, maybe you're sitting there trying to figure out, well, what's this church thing even all about? Sometimes people come in and it's like, well, I'm not sure. You know, I'm going to check it out. But if you have questions about what, who God is, about how to have a relationship with Christ, or maybe you're just wanting to know more about what church is, the Spirit of God draws people to himself in a variety of different places. And so if you don't have a relationship with Christ, and that's not clear in your mind, you know, John six forty four says, no one comes to the Son unless the Father draws him. And so the Spirit of God is drawing people to himself. Now, last week, we talked about the difference between saving faith and growing faith. And so if you don't have a relationship with Christ this morning, and you're not clear about what that looks like in your mind, you're here this morning to hear about the love that God has for you a relationship with his son. He loves you enough. He demonstrated the fact that he loves you through the gift of his son. God loves the world, but he sent his son to die on the cross for us. That's how much he loves us. God loves us. But only those that have a relationship with his son does he give the right to be called their children. You know, so he's got children. God loves the world, but there's, but there's also those that have a relationship with his son that he calls children. Have you ever heard the expression, we're all God's children, we're all children of the world? Have you ever heard the expression, we're all God's children? Uh, that's false. We're not all God's children. God loves everybody. He loves the world in the sense that he sent his son to die on the cross for their sins. But we know in John, in the John chapter 1, John's writing, he says, it's to those that receive him, to those that believe in his name, that he gives the right to become children of God. And so a child of God is somebody that has a relationship with his son. I love everybody. I do. I, I, I generally want to have her. I will meet and talk. And I, I love talking to people. I'll, I, I love everyone. But at 2 o'clock in the morning, if somebody's banging on my door, if I don't recognize them, they're not coming in. <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> and so God loves the world. And so it's important that we be clear about the difference that, 
we're clear about the difference between God loving us and what it means to have a relationship with him. And so it's through our relationship with Christ, it's through receiving him, asking him to be in our life, and to receiving him and believing in his name that we become children of God. We are born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh. There's nothing that we can do on our own to become a child of God. We're not born of blood or the will of the flesh, nor by the will of man. There's nothing I can do to save anybody. There's, nobody I can, there's nothing I can do to help somebody else become a child of God other than to help them understand their need for a relationship with Christ so that they can receive him and believe in his name and become his child. It's only by, by the will of God that somebody becomes a child of God. And so we want to encourage people to understand that God does love them, but we want to encourage them to understand the importance of what it means to have a relationship with Christ. Only those that have a relationship with Christ are called his children. And it's to the children of God that John is writing to in 1 John. You know, when John is writing through 1 John, there's an expectation that the people that are listening to him understand and remember their faith commitment. And so there's an understanding that they understand that they are children. It's to the children of God that John is writing to in 1 John. So we're going to look uh, this, this morning at the message that God has for them in terms of the love that God has for them, what, should they, what they should be doing with it. And so we're in 1 John chapter 3. And so if you brought a Bible with you, uh, turn with me to 1 John. We're in uh, the end of chapter 3. And if you are watching online, there's a little link down at the bottom that says Bible. Uh, you can click that and uh, you can follow along with us. Uh, as we read through First um, John, we're in chapter 3. We're going to be looking at verse 11 through uh, verse 24 um, this morning. As we move into chapter 11, uh, John is encouraging them uh, to remember the message that he has been teaching them uh, in the past. In chapter 2, uh, down in verse 20, um, he's reminding them that they've been anointed by the Holy Spirit. They've been set apart by God for, for God's purposes. Uh, in chapter 2, verse 20, it says, you've been anointed by the Holy One, uh, and you have all the knowledge that you need to know about how to have a relationship with Christ. He says, I'm not writing to you because you do not know the truth about Jesus, but because you do know it. I'm writing to you as believers. You know what you need to know about how to have a relationship with Christ. He says, I'm writing to you because you already know the truth, and because you know that no lie is the truth. Whoever is a liar, the liar is the one that denies Jesus as the Christ. This is the Antichrist, the one who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. Remember your faith story. Remember who you belong to. Understand your identity. You are a child of God. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning it does abide in you, then you too are going to abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he made to us, eternal life. And so he's encouraging them to remember who it is that they belong to. And by the time you get to the end of chapter 3 and verse 10, it says it's evident who the children of God are. It's evident who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. And so we looked at this last week, the difference between saving faith and just the love of God, what it means to grow in our faith in Christ. And if we genuinely have a relationship with Christ, then we should be growing in our righteousness. And so it's that process of becoming Christ-like that we want to encourage one another after we make a faith commitment. And so Logan made a faith commitment this morning. We're excited about his identity in Christ. The next question is what? Hey, you know any other guys here? You're involved in a small group. You know your spiritual gifts. How can we can help you connect and grow? And so our discipleship pathway begins with 
having conversations with people about their need for a relationship with Christ. They make a faith commitment, and then they grow in their faith. And how do you know who the real believers are? It's the ones that understand their identity in Christ, and they're growing in their faith. And so, you know, James would write, faith without works is dead. We don't just make faith commitments and say Jesus is our Savior and then go and do what we want to do. We continue to work out our faith with fear and trembling as we encourage and sharpen one another and learn more and more to be like Christ. And so John is writing to the believers, talking about the fact that if you are a Christ follower, part of your calling is to love one another. He says this, beginning in verse 11, this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We're to love God, we're to love one another. The whole Bible hangs up on those two commands, love God and love others. That's the message you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Verse 12 says, we should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one, and murdered his brother. Why did he murder his brother? Because his deeds were evil and his brother's righteousness made him angry. Don't be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. The world is going to hate you. Know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not abide in love abides in death. Whoever one hates his brother, whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for each other. If anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need yet doesn't share them with him he closes his heart against him how can the love of god abide in him children let us not love in the world or talk but in deed but in truth let's live out our faith by this we shall know we are of the truth and we shall reassure our heart before him for whoever our heart condemns us whenever our heart condemns us god is greater than our heart and he knows everything Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God in whatever we receive from him because we keep his commandments in our heart. We do what pleases him. And this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, that we love one another just as he has commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit of whom he has given us. And so we want to break this passage up a little bit because John is talking about, for the rest of our series, we're going to be looking at the love that God has for us. But it begins by understanding and remembering who we are in Christ. And he says, you know, we need to remember this message. If we're going to love one another, we need to remember this message. We, we shouldn't be like Cain who murdered his brother. We should not be like Cain who was the evil one and murdered his brother. Why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. You know, we, we looked at this a few weeks ago. It was a couple months ago. When we were going through our um, heart, of, heart of Worship series. We talked about Cain's heart. And uh, we looked at the fact that Cain and Abel both brought offerings to God. They were both different. God liked um, Abel's better. Cain got angry and, uh, and killed his brother. And so we, do, we don't want to be like Cain. We not only do we not want to not murder, we want to make sure that our hearts are right. Because if our hearts are not right, we can't love one another. That's what we saw with Cain. Cain brought an offering to the Lord of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought the fruit of the firstborn of his flock and their fat portions. It had nothing to do with the fact that God likes meat more than vegetables. I like meat more than vegetables. But, you know, for God, the issue is, is these offerings that got brought. You know, Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground. It was just some fruit that, you know, he had all this fruit sitting over here. And it'd be like, well, I'm just going to grab this fruit. But, but, but Abel brought the firstborn of his flock in their fat portions. And so Abel gave sacrificially. There was something about 
Abel's offering in his heart when he offered that, that God was more pleased with that. And so Cain, seeing that, said, well, how come you don't like my offering? Well, the Lord had regard for Abel's because it was a sacrificial offering. His heart was right before God's, and Cain's wasn't. Sorry. And so Cain, had, he had no offering for that. And so Cain was angry. He fell on his face and ended up murder, murdering his brother. And so when John's writing did not be like Cain, who was one of the evil ones and one of the murderers, he's not telling us as believers, hey, look, you guys, you know, don't, don't kill each other. It's not a matter of whether or not you murder or not. It's a matter of whether or not when you're loving one another, when you think about the relationships with one another in the context of this local church and our ministry, do you have regard and care for one another? Is our heart right towards the people that are around us? And so it's not that we're not murderers. I mean, it's like we can't walk out here going, I didn't murder anybody today, so I'm good. You know, no, no problem. There's been times when I felt like murdering somebody. My wife and I, every time we have an accident, I think sometimes she, one of these days she's going to get me in my sleep. You know, but we don't do that. We have a relationship with one another. We work it out. I mean, you might feel like it, but you know, you don't, it's not a success at the end of the day if you haven't murdered somebody. You know, Matthew, he's writing in chapter 5, you have heard that it was said to the old, those of old, you shall not murder. Whoever murders is going to be liable for judgment. It's like, didn't do that. But I say to you, everyone who is angry with his brother shall be liable to judgment. And so like Cain, do we get angry at others? Are we angry about our offerings? Do we compare ourselves to others? Are we angry with others? If we are angry with one another, then we are liable to judgment. And so we have to step back and look at our relationships and say, hey, is there anybody that I'm upset with? Is there anybody that's upset with me? And so we need to encourage one another. If there's conflict in our relationships, we need to work it through. Matthew 18 says that if, you're, if you hold something against somebody, you go to them first. You don't talk to anybody else. You don't spread rumors. You don't gossip. We need to go to one another if we have a problem we need to talk through. And if they don't listen, then you come get somebody. And if they don't listen to somebody, then you tell it to the church. The idea is, is that we need to work through our conflict with one another so that we don't carry around angerness and bitterness to one another. We need to make sure that the relationships that we have with one another are growing and strong Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. We will not tolerate gossip. And so if there's, any, if there's anything that you have against somebody and you're insulting them, and you know, one of the, one of the uh, requirements in our membership covenant is that we just say we're not going to gossip about one another. That's just, a, that's just a, a, a basic agreement to say, hey, if we have a problem with one another, we're going to go talk about it. We're not going to talk negatively about someone. We're not going to insult someone. If we insult someone, if we're angry or if we insult someone, um, then we're going to be liable for that. Whoever says you fool is going to be liable to the hell of fire. And so we, we don't call each other names. We don't, we don't blaspheme one another. You know, biblical unity is important. We, we work out our conflict with one another. That's what the unity piece is about. And I tell you, we're in relationships, and in every relationship, you know there's going to be conflict, and so we need to work that out in a healthy way. And so when John's writing, and he says, don't be like Cain, he's talking about don't get angry, don't talk negatively, don't hold something against each other, don't act out, don't gossip. Yes, don't murder. <laughs> That's a good thing. Don't murder anybody. But it's not just the murder. That's the issue. It's, it's a heart issue. And so we need to work together to build one another up and encourage one another. This is what Paul writes in Colossians, bear with one another. We're to, we're to bear with one another. If one is in complaint against another, then forgive each other. As the Lord had forgiven you, so you must also forgive. 
You know, when you think about the fact that God loved you enough to send, send his son to take on your sin, that, that you have a right standing before God, that same forgiveness that God has offered to us, we extend to others. It's in the context of forgiving one another that relationships are made strong. In the context of Jesus forgiving us for our sin, our relationship with the Heavenly Father is made strong. In our context of forgiving one another, our relationships are made strong. And so we should be working through those things with one another in a way that relationships are built up. Above all, above everything, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And so one of the things I'm so one of the things that's so encouraging to me about the way I see God working in and through our local body of Christ is the care for, the love for, and the genuine concern for one another. You know, the majority, we have a majority of people at Springbrook involved in small groups where they're praying for one another, encouraging one another. And if you're not involved in a small group, we have, uh, we have, we have 80% of Springbrook serve somewhere in ministry. They're on a ministry team where they can pray for one another, encourage one another. And so I just pray that that continues to get stronger and grow. I mean, we want people to come in, we can get connected horizontally uh, with each other, vertically with God, through relationship with Christ, but then horizontally with one another. Relationships are critically important. It was Jesse said in our conference, the theme, we are better together. And that works out in the local church as well. Works out in our small groups. It works out in our ministry teams. We are better together as we support, encourage, and love on one another. John writes in verse 13, don't be surprised about what happens out there. The world is going to hate you. I tell you, you're going to walk out the doors. And does anybody, it's, it's a jungle out there. <laughs> Everybody know that? We hope you're not surprised. It's really, it's just, it's a mess out there. But in here, in here, this is where I, this is where I get my joy. I love seeing people on Sunday morning. I love the relationships, talking to people. I love serving with people. It is not to be like that in here. I don't know what's going on out there. Let's leave it out there. Don't bring it in here. You know, because we are called to love one another. As Christ loved us, we love one another. Anyone who hates his brother, anyone who has anything against his brother or is angry or is gossiping, you know, it's comparable to being a murderer. Verse 15, anyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. And so who we are called to be together as we encourage and love on one another strengthens us in our faith and gives us the assurance that we know uh, Christ is working in and through us. Instead, we're to... We're to love one another. We know that this is love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. If anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Children, let us not love just in word or in talk, but in deed and in truth. And so that's one of the things I love about our, like our, like our meals ministry. It's an opportunity for us to say, hey, if you have a need, if you've had a baby or you've come out of the hospital, or you're not feeling well, can I bring you a meal to encourage you? That's a simple act of love. The meals ministry is a great demonstration of that. You know, Pastor Joseph's got our pastoral care team. If somebody's having surgery, it's the, it's the cards and the letters and the prayer requests and the, and the things that we do for one another that demonstrate our love for one another. Work is important. Deeds are important. And so it's how we work out our faith. And so if somebody has a need, I, I, I want to help. I want to help meet that. And so we know this is love. Christ laid down his life for us. And so we need to lay down our lives for the brothers. It's a sacrificial kind of a love. Sometimes it's a financial thing. Sometimes it's a meal thing. Sometimes it is a time thing. 
You know, when I think about our calendars, that's probably the number one thing that affects us and prevents us from investing in one another. You know, we all want to get up in the morning and read our Bible, but we wake up in the morning and we've got something else that creeps in. You know, we all want to be a part of a small group, but then Thursday night comes around here, and it's like, oh, I've got a half an hour to get to small group. I've just got off work. I'm trying to figure out how to feed the kids. It's like, oh. You know, our calendars are probably the number one thing that keep us from being able to give to one another in that way. You know, it's the making the phone call. It's the talking to one another. It's the, it's the sacrificially giving to others, not just physically, but emotionally and with our time. We are, we know this is love. It, that just as Christ laid down his life for us, we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. It's sacrificial when we give somebody time on our calendar. It's sacrificial when we say, hey, it's, sac- it's a sacrificial offering that we offer up to, to support the work of this ministry or to support the work of missions. Or it's sacrificially when we give of, of our finances to God. We do it joyfully, but it's because of the love that God has for us. Without that love of God in us, then we have the risk, we run the risk of bitterness creeping in and doing things for the wrong reason and being bitter about it. But that's not what we're called to do. We're called to, to lay down our lives for others, just like Christ laid down our, his life for us. Let us not love in word and talk, but in deed and in truth. So deeds are really important as we work it out. But then in truth, well, how do we know what's true? Well, by this we shall know we are of the truth. We shall know we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him. For wherever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and he knows everything. And so there's times when we step back and we think, oh man, is this good enough? You know, we doubt ourselves. If you think about, I don't think, I don't think, I don't think I'm like, I don't make good macaroni. I don't think I'll like my meal. I can't bring somebody a meal. They're not going to like my, what I fix. Or God doesn't need, you know, $5. Does God really need $5? I don't want to give $5. I mean, and so we doubt ourselves. If our hearts are right, like Abel's, and we're giving sacrificially like Abel, then we know that God's word sustains us. We, we bring our offerings before, we offer ourselves up before. Nobody else is making judgments against you. It's like, nobody's stepping back and going, well, you know, when we are in God's will and we know what God's called us to do and we step out to do that, we can have confidence that it's sufficient. And so I can't tell you whether an offering is good enough or not. You know, I, we, we, we don't from the outside uh, make decisions externally about somebody's offering, somebody's time, somebody's calendar, somebody's gifts. You know, those are, those are issues between us and God. And God judges our heart. He's the one that knows. He knows everything. We just have to be faithful. We, we know that if we're in God's word and we're being faithful to what God calls us, called us to, then, then, then there's no condemnation. If our heart does not condemn us, then we have confidence before God. Whatever we ask, whatever we receive from him, because we keep his commandments and we do what pleases him, we can have security in what God's called us to do. And I don't know what that looks like. It looks different for everybody. What this looks like for you is different than what it looks like for me. But each one of us should be evaluating our hearts before God as we think about who we are in Christ and what does it mean to love others. By this we shall know we are the truth and we shall reassure our hearts before him. So we move into verse 23. This is the commandment. This is his commandment that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ. And we love one another just as he has commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. And so we, we are, our responsibility is to, to focus on our faith and understanding who we are in Christ. And so we believe that he is, he is the son of God. We believe that Jesus is the Christ. And then we are to love one another just as he's commanded. We, we love one another as an act of obedience. 
We put on, we clothe ourselves with that love. I got on this morning and I put on my sweater and it's a little bit warm, but you know, it's still fall, I don't know. But I clothe myself. We clothe ourselves with the love of God and then we share that with others. And then we keep his commands. We're in God's word. We're keeping his commands. We're studying it and we're abiding in him. And God is in us and the Holy Spirit is working those things out. And by this, we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. And so we're praying for the Spirit of God to continue to guide us and direct us and, and give us a clarity of his, of his will. Whoever keeps his commands abides in God and God in him. And so our command to love one another is something that guides us. It's something that is important to us uh, in our church. It's really important to, if, this, if we're going to accomplish all that God has for us together. And so this next week, I just want to encourage you as you read through these passages to, you know, to study them, to look for opportunities to apply them to your life. I know that if you have not made a faith commitment, you're not secure in who you are in Christ, today, that's step one. You know, the Spirit of God draws people into a relationship with himself. And we can't love others until we've experienced the fullness of the love that God has for us through Christ. So if you have questions about how to have a relationship with Christ, please let us know. If you're watching online, there's a place for you to indicate your interest. If, you, if you're here with us in person, you've got a connection card there. Uh, you can get that out in the back. There's a place to say, hey, I want to know more about relationship with Christ. You know, what does it mean to be a part of the body of Christ? We love to talk with you because this is one of the reasons why we exist. This is our Jerusalem. We want to help people to experience and know the love that God has for him. And if you're looking for a place to you know, make an impact, you know, the Bible says that every believer has a spiritual gift. We've been given spiritual gifts for the purpose of serving others. You know, Christmas is coming. I love getting a Christmas gift. Typically when I get a Christmas gift, I'm thinking, oh, this is mine. You know, I don't think about sharing it. You know, but I, sometimes I do. It depends on what it is. If it's, I always get food. I get beef jerky and everybody eats my beef jerky. So, But you've been given a spiritual gift for the purpose of serving others. It, it's how you love one another. It's how we, when we're serving in ministry, you know, our worship team came together this morning, be excited about who they are in Christ for the opportunity to serve you and love on you. And our children's ministry is in the back. Uh, they're working with those kids. They came together this morning. They're excited about who they are in Christ. They get to serve and love on those kids. That's how they love. That's how they love one another. They, they're loving one another as they take people's kids and, and love on their kids or work on the worship team or on the facilities. All the ministries are working together to accomplish our vision for reaching our community for Christ and making disciples. And it all revolves around how we love for and care for one another. So if you're looking for a place to get connected in a ministry, I would love the opportunity to help you do that. Our pastoral care ministry is front lines of loving on one another. Our prayer requests that come through, people that need meals, hospital visitations, cards, letters, notes. Pastor Joseph is our pastoral care pastor. He has got such a pastoral heart. His love for people is just an exemplary. It's an example for me and for our staff. Uh, he just does a good job loving on people. So if you want to be a part of our pastoral care team, um, I encourage you, you can sign up for that. And I know he'd love the opportunity to talk with you about how you can get connected to that. Or maybe you just need to go someone. Go to somebody in your circle. Let them know that God loves them. You know, that's a message that most people in our community don't know. And so when you look out around our community, the number of people that have a relationship with Christ, that have the benefit of being connected to the local body of Christ, it's very few people have what we have. And so just by simply going out to your neighborhood, going out to your neighbors, going to the people around you, sharing the love that you have experienced with them is, is demonstrating you know, what it means to love others. Go to someone and share. So we can help you find a way to put that into practice. You know, be sure to uh, let us know. I hope you're enjoying your small groups. Uh, if you're not in a small group, I encourage you to pick up a study, walk through that uh, devotion uh, that we've got online. But I just want to encourage you to stick with us these next couple of weeks as we continue to look at 
what it means to love one another. Today, the importance is for us to know that we need to love and care for one another. We're glad that you were here this morning. Would you pray with me? Father, I just want to thank you for this day you've given us today. And uh, I, I thank you, Father, that, that you knew me <laughs> and that you called me into a relationship with yourself. That's nothing I could have done on my own. And so I just thank you for the opportunity we have to encourage one another. I thank you for your word that is living and active. Uh, God, it's life-transforming. So thank you that we could share uh, Logan's baptism this morning. Uh, God, thank you for the work that you're doing in and through our ministry. I pray that you would continue uh, to uh, just be faithful. Thank you for your faithfulness these past 25 years. We look forward to all that you have for us as we move into the end of this year and prepare for 2022. Uh, but God, thank you for your faithfulness. And, uh, but God, we just commit this day to you. Uh, we look forward to all that you have for us. We pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen.